Hello, this is Christine Peterson with A Toolkit for a Better Life. In this podcast, we will focus on how our bodies and our minds work and give you various tips and tricks, tools and techniques for understanding yourself, being happier in yourself and living a better life. Every week, we will discuss different topics that might interest you and help you think differently to change the way you approach life and yourself. We talk about the little things that make a big difference. Hello, Amy. How are you today? I'm great, Christine. It's great to be here with you. It's wonderful to have you. Thank you for taking the time. So just before we get started into this extremely interesting topic, and in fact, the topic today is all about the predator-prey partner model and why it is a game changer. So let me just introduce you. So Amy is a Swiss-American communication specialist. And with the user-friendly predator, prey, or partner model, which was created by Pat Kirkland Leadership, Amy coaches multinationals to build highly successful, profitable, and emotionally intelligent relationships. With over 30 years of experience, her understanding of the human psyche is extensive, and I totally agree with that. Amy is the author of The Ego Tango, How to Get More of What You Want More Often with Less Hassle. It's a great book and I strongly recommend it. I'll put it into the footnotes of the podcast so you can find the book um, on Amazon, actually. And it offers value and she offers value through her blogs and her podcast, Partner in Action. In fact, I will be interviewed by Amy later on this year on her podcast, so you can listen to the two of us talk again later on. Amy coaches clients to become more dynamic, honest, and effective partners to create powerful partnerships and develop their ability to influence others. She does this with the help of the improvisational theater philosophy, which is make your partner look good. So, Amy, what is this predator-prey partner model and why is it a game changer? Mm, Okay. So, Christine, the way I describe it to people, it's like a one of the areas I love to focus on is power and status. Mm -hmm. And so this these three archetypes that and the pecker was actually my sister. She is a recovering prey and I'm a recovering predator. (laughs) (laughs) Luckily, she was the. She was the taller, older sibling, so she was always safe. <laughs> yes. It's actually already really good to know where you are in this model. Are yeah. you a predator, a prey, or a partner? And people will often realize, oh, I flip-flop. I can be mm. predator at home and prey at work or vice mm. versa. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, rings, that's, that rings true. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the gifts that this model gives people. So- we help people see how if they are being a predator, what happens is they're coming across as arrogant or aggressive or intimidating or impatient. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, often when we're predators, we people don't realize mm-hmm. they're being a predator. So that awareness, and you talk about that in one of your podcasts, I think it's the one on emotional intelligence, the importance of self-awareness. Yes. So this model helps people see, oh my gosh, I showed up as a predator in that moment, even though that wasn't my intention. Mm. 
And predators want to get results. That's yeah. what's really of essence for them. So they have good intentions. By contrast, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I think um, if we go into NLP, then everybody has good intentions. They have, they're doing things because they have a reason to do it. Yes. And before I go to pray, let me give you a demo for the listeners to hear, they can hear what it sounds, could sound like. So Christine, let's imagine you and I are colleagues, we're having a phone call and there's some kind of stress. We've missed a deadline or but we're over budget or something. And if I'm my inner, if I let my unleash my inner predator, it could sound like this. Christine, 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 would you just let me finish? Because I have something important to say. Thank you very much. <laughs> so you hear the yeah. sarcasm. Oh. You hear me, right? They hear word yeah. idiot at the end of the phrase without me having to say it. <laughs> And automatically, I'll start feeling defensive. Yeah. Yeah. You'll either feel intimidated or disrespected or both. Mm. Mm. And that damages the relationship very quickly. Yeah. The flip side, the prey, and that's spelled P-R-E-Y, although <laughs> they're often P-R-A-Y because they're really nice people. <laughs> and the prey tends to hold too much respect for the other and not enough for themselves. Hmm. So if we're in that same work dynamic and we're under the same stress, I might react to you this way, but, but Christine, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, Christine. Could I, could I just, I, I, I'm sorry. I just need to explain something. Could, could I just maybe explain something? And this is a problem because <laughs> one, I could damage credit, my own credibility the results I'm after, and most importantly, in my opinion, that can trigger a predator reaction, even from really nice people. Yes, yes. That sort of reminds me of the model of the parent-child-adult. Absolutely. Yeah, and transactional analysis. Exactly, yep. Yeah. And what's so amazing about what my sister did is that she – she studied many different disciplines and broke it down to very crystal clear behaviors, body language, voice, words that will cause us to tip over into the realm of predator or prey. Hmm, interesting. And with the other thing, Christine, it's shockingly universal. So I go around the globe teaching this stuff and there'll be some tweaks sometimes, you know, in a, in the Japanese culture, Maybe too much eye contact would be disrespectful. And in another culture, not enough eye contact is showing that you're appearing insecure or hiding something. So there's going to be some adjustments in the from the cultural sense, though less than we would expect because the bottom line is respect. Yeah, exactly. Mutual. Mutual. So if we go to the ideal, which is partner, and the way it, the way it's the reason it's magical, a couple of reasons. One, because you're holding high respect for yourself and high respect for the other, regardless of your positional power. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that is magical be, because only one person has to play partner for it to work. So and that's say, cool. Yeah. Right. Um, if we imagine that, let's say I'm your boss and I'm so I already have higher positional power and I'm a predator. And that's not an easy position to be in for you, right? Except if you know, okay, I'm going to, and you're, for many of us, the tendency would be to be submissive and be a little bit on the prey side, except 
normal, even a boss who's a predator does not want that unconsciously. They want you to hold high respect for yourself while you're showing high respect for them because the high respect you hold for yourself means that the, the, the respect you're showing me has greater value. Yes. And this is all through body language, voice, and words. Yeah, absolutely. And so, and the other reason it's powerful is because if we're in a dynamic and you're holding a partner frame and I'm being a predator, I know on a very unconscious level that you're only going to maintain this. You're only going to show me this respect for a limited amount of time. It is a limited offer, mm. time offer. And <laughs> I unconsciously know I need to recalibrate my own behavior to keep that respect coming. Yes. And if I'm a prey, let's say I'm your subordinate or I'm just someone really skittish or maybe I've made a mistake, I'm feeling really guilty. You can, while you, if you continue to hold high respect for yourself and high respect for me, uh, as the prey, I start to feel safe and respected and I may recalibrate up to partner with you. Yeah. And that's so why that's I really like, nice. yeah, yeah only point. one person needs to be a partner for it to work. That is magical. Right. I mean, it's way more fun when both people are playing partners, oh, sure. except yeah. you can invite someone to play partner with you. <laughs> yeah. With words and body language and, and yeah. And tone and voice. Exactly. Really, really nice. So what challenges, Amy, did you face when you started your journey as a communication coach? Hmm. Very, very early on, because it's been officially, I've been doing this for, I guess now I can count 23 years. Right, so early. just before we met, really. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And I, like I think many of us, and I see this in my clients, and I see it whenever I take on a new project, the feeling of being an imposter. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know if this happened to you, Christine, I would be doing coaching, I give a coaching session. And I, I was like, wow, I, I didn't really say anything. I, I didn't really, I didn't give him any value. And at the end of the session, the client would say, oh, Amy, this was so helpful. Thank you so much. And I'm like, <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, what did I do? Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's one of the reasons uh, or that coaching is so magical for so many people because it's just holding that space. And sometimes that's a huge gift for people. Yes. Yeah. I think you're right. And I guess a couple other challenges I think of, I, I remember before I started my business, so now about 25 years ago, I was starting to network with people and interview people. And I, I found this woman who was very well established in Geneva and I set up an appointment with her and her advice to me was, you need a master's. You can't do anything without a master's. And I barely got through my bachelor's. So I was wow. like, <laughs> that's the first time I've heard that. Yeah. Cause I only have a bachelor's as well. Okay. Well, there we yeah, go. Yeah. Thank goodness. You didn't have to talk to her because I had to work <laughs> through that one. <laughs> Oh, that might, that mean it been that's just that puts you straight into prey, doesn't it? Not necessarily. Almost, no? Um, it it I didn't. I think we can feel insecure without necessarily flip flopping up to predator prey. Okay. It made me really question myself, and it made me mildly depressed. Like, oh, I I hated. I didn't hate school. Like, it wasn't it wasn't the no. fit for me. Right. No. Yeah. So I was happy to finish. Yeah. And for me, I just said, um, maybe in my head, she said that to me. I'm like, okay, thanks. So I'll, you know, think about that. And I 
kept talking to other people and I didn't keep hearing that luckily. And I just said, you know what? She might be right. And I'm not willing to make that investment. And so we're going to give it a shot without the masters and see how I do. So that being brave and being willing to fail, um, thank goodness. It is my mother's, the one year anniversary of my mother's passing. She died when she was oh. 94. It was wow. a peaceful, beautiful death. And, oh. Yeah. And I, the reason I bring that up is because one of the things she taught me, Christine, was um, failing just means you've learned something else. Ooh, nice. Yeah. That's so put luckily, such a positive spin on it. Yeah. I, I didn't grow up with the, the, so much of the fear of failure, which is like, it didn't feel great, still doesn't. And it's like, hmm, what, are, what did I learn today? Yeah, it's like, okay, how can I, how can I learn something from this experience? And actually, I, I do that really, really consciously. I will always say, what is the silver lining here? What's awesome. the positive to take out? Because already that puts you on a positive path. It puts you on a path of, path of looking for something that you've learned or something positive, however, yeah. however little that might be. Yeah. And another thing is, is if we take your point, um, because sometimes I'm not able to find it in the moment. So I tell myself, I trust that there's a gift in it for me and I may discover it. I may not. And I just trust that it's there. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's fine. That's already opening the door. Yes. Yeah. And keeping the door open. So that's nice. What what do you what according to you is the key to excel in communication skills? Hmm. There's a couple I can think of. You know, you mentioned my book. Then mm. thanks for that plug. That was very sweet. Oh, and, you're very welcome. It's a good book. I'm, I want my <laughs> readers to my, I want my <laughs> listeners to to read it. And the title, the ego tango. For me, it's really about putting my ego in check. Yeah. That's, you know, and that's that sign you talked about that in the emotional intelligence podcast. Yes. You know, exactly. it's really, a, so that for me is important. And one of the ways I actively can put my ego in check is humor. Oh. And making, and not taking myself too seriously and poking fun at myself um, and, and helping and getting other people to help me poke fun at myself. Not in a mean way, just in a mm -hmm. playful way. Laughing um, with and not laughing at. Yes. 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 And, I'm, and I, so I. I make an effort to laugh, um, what do you call it, laugh early and laugh fast or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds a little bit like who draws the gun first. You know, but... <laughs> the humor gun. The humor gun, exactly. The squirt yeah. gun. The humor <laughs> squirt <laughs> gun. <laughs> and I guess another thing that helps me is my, uh, and I'm not always able to do this, and sometimes it takes me an hour and sometimes it takes me three weeks. <laughs> Though the willingness to be changed by others, hmm. opening that door, yes, yeah. Like, here's an example. Uh, just a few weeks ago, a brand new client who I'm really eager to work with said, "Oh, Amy, I want to increase the group size, and instead of adding more coaching groups, let's just increase the number of people in each group." Yeah, I didn't want to do that because I know how important it is to have keep it really small and intensive. And I also noticed that my ego was a little bit triggered too. Like, who's she to be telling? Me? 
And um, <laughs> I noticed that. I took a walk around the block, metaphor mm -hmm. around the apartment, metaphorical walk. And I said, Amy, and whenever there's a, you know, there's that flag, it's, and I think it's my ego. It's like, oh, you're probably going to have to do the opposite of what you want to do if, if ego is the only thing going yeah. here. Yeah. And I wasn't convinced it was just ego. I was like, yeah, I think my thinking is makes a lot of sense. And I, and I know from experience and she can't possibly know. And I understand she's wanting to save money and that's reasonable. So I wrote to her and I said, um, you know, I, I'd like to agree to that. <laughs> that was the first sentence when I was going to disagree. And then I, so I kept that. I was like, I'd like to agree to that. Um, how about we do it as you recommended? And because this is a pilot, we'll reassess at the end of the pilot to see if that's makes the most sense. So I was willing to be changed by her and accommodate. 15 minutes later, I get an email back. Oh, no, we can do it the way you suggested. No problem. Oh, wow. Wow. And, and this goes to one of the points I talk about in the book um, because it's about mindset. And I talk about this technique of detaching ourselves from the outcome. So, yes. And sometimes just acknowledging I'm attached to an outcome can make us less attached to it. Yeah. And so I mechanically forced myself to be detached by saying, okay, let's do it your way, even though I wasn't thrilled about it. And then she, I agreed and she changed her mind. I, I love I that. Amazed. That's so yeah. interesting. It's a great example. Thanks. Um, what about what pitfalls does one need to avoid while communicating? And is mm -hmm. there a stark difference in professional and personal communication? Hmm. These are all personal, painful learnings. Ooh. Okay. So, Good ones then. I I love to be sarcastic and playful in my exchange with people. There are there's a time and a place where sarcasm is just not appropriate. <laughs> with with people who don't know you, um, oh, yeah. especially it, when you're doing it in a second language. Not that I've learned hmm. from experience on that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I once was sarcastically joking with a guy on the train a, in French and he just about bit my head off. I was like, <gasps> okay, note to self. He doesn't know you, Amy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the other one is email. Sarcasm mm -hmm. by the email. Tone, the voice. E that just doesn't work. It's funny. I just got an email this morning with somebody saying something and I knew it was meant to be sarcastic. Uh, I, I knew this person well enough, like, okay, I, I know he's joking. I didn't get the joke at first. Um, and and so I had to work at it. And I realized, and so I kept putting myself through, okay, he's very playful. He's very sarcastic. How would he have meant that? So it took me a couple minutes to work it out. When I worked it out, I realized, oh, that's really funny. <laughs> so yeah. it wasn't an immediate ha-ha. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and you could only have done that by knowing him. Exactly. So in a professional communication that can be so dangerous yeah unless I, I i'm i think some of the exceptions is when it's clear that it's self-deprecating yes and not overdoing that either because then we slip into prey mm -hmm. exactly exactly yeah. so a little bit of self-deprecating i think goes a long way yeah um and sometimes people will um be indirect in their communication and they'll use the i'm just joking mm-hmm afterwards because they want to they want to be they're angry or frustrated they want to be snarky and then they go well, i'm just joking <sighs> yeah so i would encourage people to avoid that and dare to be honest and direct and direct yeah yeah 
and then as a partner so yes direct yeah and with respect completely agree and that's the magic of partner you're holding respect for them and for yourself and then this uh you and i are completely aligned on this next piece of advice which comes from um small words have a big impact i think that's the name of your podcast the yes and yeah so avoiding but (laughs) and replacing it with end (laughs) exactly exactly and in fact i'm using of course i'm using the improv rule to avoid the but and replace it with and and it's it's remarkable how it changes people's lives that one little word yeah yeah oh yeah if people if if listeners want to uh, read up on it, I've got a newsletter. I think it's newsletter number four on my website. Mm-hmm. People can uh, get more input because people are like, what are you kidding me? Because I, I literally coach people to remove it at a hundred percent. Yeah. And yeah. because I hold myself to that standard, yes, it only slips out of my mouth a couple of times a month. Yeah. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how many times I say it. And whenever I do say the word, but Either it's because I meant that word at that moment in time, or it really, it's a random slip and it's rare, but I've been, but I've been working on it or, and I've been working on it for 12 years now. Mm -hmm. I, I can say that when I work with my coaches on it and when they do concentrated focus, which I refer to as three to five minutes a day. A mm. very, con- you know, uh, they're in a conversation and every time they say, but they replace it with yet, although, and unfortunately, however, whatever. but I call, I consider however, but's first cousin. <laughs> I know. And I use however, in fact, when I'm teaching, uh-huh. but when I'm teaching to replace, but with, and, and I'm in a training course and then I'll say something yeah. like, and however, and nobody will go, ah, that is like a, but, and I know, I know I'm cheating. Oh, that's funny. They catch you. <laughs> they catch it. And I love it that they catch it because then the yes. they got it. Yes, exactly. So what I hear from people is it takes them, if they're going to do it three to five minutes a day, every day, it's about eight weeks okay. before it gets to a point where it, it, they don't have to think about it so consciously. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's very nice. Very, very nice. So that is a big pitfall. It's really the pitfall of the butt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so what are the shifts that your coaches can look forward to when they work with you? Apart from the butt and. Well, that doesn't, they don't get why that's so important. And that's a lot of hard work. Mm. They, the payoff is less conflict, less mm. disagreement, mm. less, um, they're able to be assertive and set limits even with intimidating and aggressive people. Very nice. So that's pretty exciting. I had mm. a, a senior leader who we spent part of the session talking about his seven-year-old child and how he could be more partner with them. You know, companies where the people are, you know, this person's got a reputation for being, they're a senior person, they've got a reputation for being a predator and other people are thinking, you know, I'm not willing to put up with this anymore. Because I think happily the wor- world of work is people, if I'm speaking in big sweeping generalizations, people are becoming less and less tolerant of unacceptable behavior. Yes. So and I'm really happen. happy to see that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The shift is happening. It really is yeah. happening. 
Yeah. Um, I do have a story. It'd take me a couple minutes to tell you about one huge success story I had years ago. You want to hear it? Yes. Yes. We have the time. Okay, good. And it's actually from a guy, a Danish guy. Oh, okay. Yeah. So pre-pandemic, I was in Copenhagen giving a two-day intensive. At the end of the day, the guy leaves at the end of the two-day session, he leaves the training like this. Huh. Thanks. I mean, he was depleted, Christine. He was miserable. And the reason he was miserable is because he realized he had been a prey for <gasps> so much of his life. Wow. And that was causing so many of the problems in his life. Ooh, that must be just a mind changer, a game changer in, in, in his whole life. Well, he didn't realize it until six hours later. He sent me an email a week after the training. He said, Amy, I want to tell you what happened six hours after the training? Because he leaves the training after day two, miserable. He has three different scenarios that happened to him, which could normally take someone maybe a three, four, five weeks to have these experiences. He all had in one night. <gasps> wow. First thing, he goes into an impromptu job interview. He said, you know, Amy, I decided to use that upbeat energy you taught us and that downward inflection thing with the voice. And the guy said, hey, I haven't had a chance to review your CV yet, though we have a headcount freeze on. And I got to tell you, as soon as it's lifted, I'd like to work with you. He was shocked. He said, it put me in such a good mood that when I went into the city to have dinner with my wife, I came in with this great energy and warm smile. And Amy, I have to tell you, there's been all sorts of predator prey dynamics in my relationship with my wife for a long time, which is something that often happens to people. And he said, so I, you know, the whole evening, upbeat energy, warm smile. He said, at the end of the night, she gave me a hug and a kiss goodbye. And it was like falling in love again. Oh, he said, like falling oh <laughs> I've got goosebumps. Oh, how wonderful. And then the third thing that happened, he said, Amy, you know, it's Christmas time. And I was, this is all about six or seven years ago. I, I'm heading back to Hong Kong to see my boys. And so as a result, I had 10 kilos overweight in my suitcases. And when I checked in the, the attendant behind the desk, he said, I think he referred to her as the, an ice princess or something. I guess she was pretty, you know, dry and harsh. She said, sir, you're 10 kilos overweight. He said, so I leaned over the counter and I gave her a warm smile. And with that downward inflection thing, I said, can I pay that with my American Express card? So he didn't try to get out of it. Yeah. He said she did the rest of the check-in in total silence. And at the end, she leaned over with a warm smile. With a smile, she said, if you hurry, I won't have time to charge you. Oh. He was That's converted remarkable. after that. <laughs> wow. Oh, how beautiful. What a nice story. Yeah. 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 That's interesting. It really is interesting. It's just, as you're saying, you know, it's tone of voice, it's body language, it's the words that you use and the way, yeah, the way you use your words. Yeah. It totally changes those dynamics. Fabulous. Yeah. yeah. Wow. What's your source of inspiration, Amy? My source of inspiration well, I'll tell you, uh, when I first started my own business, I did one of those values assessments. Christine, I was horrified because of the top three values, two of them were play and laughter. And I thought, how can I ever have a successful business if all I want to do is play and, and laugh? <laughs> I love it. 
I love it. I know. I know. And I didn't tell anyone about that for a long time. I was like, keeping that to myself. Yeah, you've got to own that one first, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I guess um, w- one of the areas I'm able to, pr- I, I, so I, I do a, use a lot of play and laughter throughout my sessions, my trainings, my keynotes, everything. And on the side, I'm in two improv troops. Should we tell Ooh. the listeners what improv is? Quickly, yes. I mean, they know from other of my podcast episodes okay. and and the ones who haven't listened to those, then let's go for it quickly. Well, you and I have a very similar dis- uh, definition. You get a group of actors on stage, no script, no preparations, no props. They create things that are seemingly thin air because they're following guidelines. Yeah. And so one of the guidelines you mentioned earlier is make your partner look good. So it, for me, it matches with improv as well as in my entire life. Oh, so I'm using improv whenever I'm interacting with people. And then I'm also doing it on stage. That is so wonderful. That's one of the things I'd really like to do. My, I think the only problem I have is that I live in Lugano and there are no improv groups in English. And I'd prefer to do it in English, although my Italian is, is sure. fluent. I think I could be more improvisational in English. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it is something that I'd love to do. And I think that as a trainer or as a coach, working with other people in this way, helping people learn or change or grow, um, we have to improvise a lot. We have the rules, we have the context, we have what we want to bring across. And then we have to improvise in terms of getting it across to people in the right way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And for me, that is, a, a. I think we're always operating in that manner. And for me, when I use the term improv, it's really about accept offers, say yes, make your partner look good, put your ego to the side. Um, you know, so those collaborative tools and mindset that work on stage, I work really actively to use them in other exchanges. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I yeah. do the same as much as possible. Um yeah, and it just makes such a difference to the way people react and interact with with you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. Mm. I and I when I think about uh, other things and people that influence me, I think about the uh, of course, like many people, Nelson Mandela. Ah, uh, yes. You know, I mean, he just oh. s- such a such an inspiring person and so I, I there's one book in particular I want to say I don't know if it's the long walk to freedom or the one um, when how he his backstory of being in prison and then um, working with the springbok the was that the rugby team yes the rugby and team yes when you read that book Again, mm. I, I sorry, listeners, I can't remember uh, the title of, of if it's the Long Walk to Freedom or I feel like it had another name. And th- that one is just filled with partner example after partner example, oh. the way he spoke to the guards who mm. would sometimes mistreat him, to the pol- politicians just across mm. the board. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then. Another book I'm reading right now is called, or I just finished, I like audiobooks. I just finished listening to it. It's called The Courage to Be Disliked. Ooh. Oh. So I can highly recommend that to listeners. It's by two Japanese authors, and it has, it's 
in the audiobook version, well, the written would be the same. It's done as if it's a conversation between a philosopher, you know, this, this beautiful British accent and this kind of American punk. <laughs> he's just a little oh, interesting. He's just a little bit whiny and complains. Yeah. And, How come? And yeah, I don't. He probably says blood a lot. <laughs> and it's it's a fantastic book. Okay. Okay, yeah. well, we can put that on the in the podcast notes as well. And we'll put the right title yeah, of the Nesselman better. Yes, absolutely, as well. Thank um, you. Any other, uh, because we were talking about the predator-prey partner model. What's your source of inspiration for that? It, it, it's so connected to the improv. It's mm -hmm. uh, because I was such a jerk <laughs> versus, <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm still, I still allow, there was a lot, there's a part of me, the way I would go predator most often was, I called it protective predator. When someone was being disrespectful to me or someone else, that's when I would allow myself to go full-blown predator and mm -hmm. aggressive and insulting. And now I've upgraded it so that when that happens, because it just happened a couple of months ago, there was a train conductor on the Swiss train who completely missed, he was completely completely disrespectful to two young people on the train. And, um, and I had to speak up. And uh, when I did, I made myself do it as a partner. Mm. And he was so disrespectful, I took a picture of his um, ID. So I because I realized I had to get off the train, I was going to have I decided I'm going to send a report. Mm. Well, apparently, that's illegal. You can't take pictures of people. Oh. Yeah, good to know, right? Listeners, if you're in ah. Switzerland, don't be taking pictures. <laughs> So needless to say, Christine, he lost his emotional sobriety, as my sister says. And he then went, he went full blown predator on me. It was intense. And only because I've been training myself, I was able to stay really, 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 really calm. I, de I deleted the pictures as he requested. That wasn't good enough for him. He stayed really aggressive. He's calling the police that were going to be at the Lausanne station for me, waiting for me. And I stayed really wow. calm. And I very calmly said to him, the way you spoke to these two young people, this is my concern. And this is, you know, and he tried to hear the feedback, though. He stayed very aggressive. And so I was so proud of myself mm. that one, I wanted to speak up. Two, I did speak up. And three, when I spoke up, I even after I'm, you know, dealing with all his aggression, I was able to do it as a calm partner. I Incredible. was like, girl, wow. you, some you get today. Oh, stars, gold stars at that. Wow. Mm -hmm. And that's what it's all about, isn't it? It's practice, 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 especially yes. at those particular moments. We have to be able to just step back, see the big picture and take a deep breath. Yeah. And that's what you talked about in the podcast, breaking bad habits, making positive good habits is that practice. I yeah. And baby steps, just keep working on it. Exactly. Every day. Find opportunity. Well, hopefully not find Swiss train conductors like that <laughs> no. too often. <laughs> and, I don't recommend it. No. And find find some opportunities or at least take the opportunities when they do come. Take them as mm -hmm. opportunities rather than than as a challenge or a negative. Can I add to that? For the listeners, because what I one of the things I say to people at the end of my trainings, so now when you leave here today, you're going to go out and you are going to fail miserably. <laughs> and they're like, uh, Amy, is this your pep talk? Cause I'm like, no, you're a human being. You've been this way for a while. It's going to take some time. So rather than feel the next time you slip in and go prey or predator, 
rather than say, oh, well, that was a waste of two or three days, tell yourself, oh, as soon as you can, an hour later, mm-hmm. a day later, a week later, analyze it and say, if I could replay that scenario, how could I do that differently as a partner? And people are like, well, Amy, that's a waste of time because I can't go back and fix that thing. What that is, Christine, you probably know this well, is that's a different way of practicing. You're visualizing and that also builds muscles and pathways. Mm, Big ones. Absolutely. It does build pathways. Absolutely. Yeah, that's really nice. I like that. So, Amy, just as a last question, what should our audience be looking out for from you for the next six months? Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Two things. I've got my online leadership presence course, which Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to be running again in uh, March. Mm -hmm. And that's a pretty fun-filled experience. And then, oh, the other thing is I've got a huge event coming up. It's called the Complete Retreat, taking place in Bali, Indonesia. Uh (gasps) Oh, yeah. May 20 through 27th. And it's pretty much a masterclass in communication in a delightful or exquisite environment. Oh, how wonderful. So who would your clients be there? And where, where would they come from? Um, there I've got, we've got interest from different parts of the globe. So anybody who's saying, uh, yep, it's, I deserve to be able to, you know, show up as a partner in all areas of my life. And I'm going to learn to be more direct and assertive with people, or I'm going to learn to be kinder and still direct with people. I'm going to be able to stay calm, cool, collected under pressure and conflict, you know, pretty much any of those interpersonal dynamics. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you, Amy. My pleasure. It was such a pleasure to talk with you. And we'll talk again in a couple of months time. Okay, super. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Bye, Amy. Bye, Christine. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. You've been listening to A Toolkit for a Better Life, produced by Christine Peterson. For more information and details on how to contact us, please see the podcast description.